Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Edmund O'Brien in another of the adventures of the man with an action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Intercontinental Marine Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my assignment aboard the SS Melee Trader, the ship with no port of call. Expense account item one, $80. Transportation from Hartford to Savannah, Georgia where, after pausing only to grow a beard and deck myself out in seaman's garb, I proceeded to the local hiring hall of the Seaman's Union. The Cape Lorenza, C-2, standing for the Panamanian line, bound for Rio de Janeiro, leaving tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. The call is for one baker, one galley boy, one carpenter, and two A.B.s. Yes, yes, okay. All right, we'll put the call right through, right away. Sam, what is it? The name is Dollar. I'm signing on the melee trader. Ordinary seaman, special permit. Special, huh? Well, let me see now. Oh, yeah, yeah, here it is. Insurance deck, huh? Well, I'm glad to cooperate, Dollar. Thanks. Where do I find the ship? Pier 8. The directions will all be here on your assignment slip. Uh, what's the beef? A hot cargo? Well, maybe... When I find out, you can read about it in the paper. Okay, so you're not talking. That's your business. Here's your slip. Now, uh, the best way to get there is to follow the railroad tracks past the warehouse. Right across. My new home, when I found her, looked neither pretentious, comfortable, or even seaworthy. 
She was a rusty old Liberty ship that probably had a war record but hadn't had a coat of paint in months. Her winches, fore and aft, were busy feeding heavy rattan-covered bales into a gaping hole. Her decks were alive with longshoremen, and set against all that activity, a bulky gent wearing an officer's cap lolled on a stool near the head of the gangway, idling time with fingernails and a penknife. Yeah? What's your business? I'm signing on. Where do I find the chief officer? You found him. I'm all set. Let me see you, Slip. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, darling. You're on the, uh, 48 watch. Quarters of 3A. Just past the galley, then half starboard side. Cut up your dear. You can sign later. Right. So far, the spy story method seemed to be working. I was aboard the ship as a seaman, and a few seconds later... I was shaking hands with a man who shared my quarters, Al Rhoda, on a salary for four years as Intercontinental's Marine Investigator. Johnny. Hi, Al. Hey, it's been a long time. How are you? I'm fine, fine. It's good to be working a case with you again. Hey, uh, is it all right to talk in here? Yeah, yeah, but let's keep it down. I've been on this tub since it left Singapore, and nobody's on to me yet. But play it cagey on deck. How much did they tell you in jolly old Hartford? Well, they gave me just the basic situation that uh, that Intercontinental insured a bunch of crude rubber from British Malays before the devaluation of the British pound sterling. Half it, I understand, burned in a warehouse in Singapore. I bet to the tune of over a hundred thousand insurance bucks. I flew out there. Signs of arson, but no proof. I followed the other half of the crop here to Savannah. Hey, uh. This company that owns it, Malay Traders, kind of an outfit, is it? They aren't angels. Been up against British customs a few times. Never nailed. They own their ships, and the branch here, headed by a Mr. Pila, imports basic commodities, like the rubber and minerals. Mm-hmm. Well, the point is that since this crude was insured before the British pound dropped, they can bring in more loot destroying it than they can selling it. Yeah, I guess that totals. And I take it the policy covers until they do so, huh? That's it. I thought we were getting rid of it here. They packed it away in their warehouse. But then three days ago, they started loading it aboard again. That's why you were sent down. What's the matter, Al? Don't you think the company trusts you? <laughs> uh, I guess they figure I need help. And they're right. Where do you think we're bound, Johnny? Well, my paper's at Corpus Christi. The scuttlebutt is that Corpus is just a stop. That we clear there for Mexico, Veracruz, where arson investigation isn't what it could be. After that operation in Singapore, what else would they Hold be it. Hold it. Hello. You in there? Yeah? Oh, staff. Ship's articles are in the company office, corner of the warehouse. Go ashore and sign them. Yeah, okay, right away. Uh, sir? <laughs> nice try, sailor. Oh, and uh, if you'll take a word of fatherly advice... Well, practically anything you say. Go ahead. That uh, that girl in the office, the Malayan half-caste, she's the boss's daughter. Amai. Amai. Is that for appreciation, or is it her name? Both. But save your dreams. The chief, our friend Hallstaff, is as possessive as he's big. 
And you know something? I don't blame him. I didn't blame Horstaff either after I saw our eyes. You could tell she had enough accidental know-how to be proud of what the Oriental did to her looks. Ah, my, indeed. Good afternoon. Hello. I'm here to sign the articles. I'm the Malay trader. Oh, what please your name? Dollar. Johnny Dollar. Dollar. Are you a very thrifty man, Mr. Dollar? Well, hardly. My name is usually the only one I have to my name. Uh, your signature right here. I wish I was sailing with you. What? What did you say? That I wish I were sailing with you. I have begged with my father. But he will not let me go with him. Oh. Your father's going with us, huh? I didn't know that. I will beg some more. Uh, once again, please, your name right here. Oh. You have nice hands, Mr. Dollar. Nice hands? Now, why'd you say that? I see so many hands here on my desk. So I notice them. Some are big and lumpy. Some are short. Some are dirty. And in the steward's department, some are clean from dishwashing, but all wrinkly. I see. Well, I'd better get back to the ship. Thanks. Thank you. We hope that conditions during your voyage will meet with your approval and that you will accept employment with melee traders again. And with those memorized words ringing in my ear, I thank the luscious Amai again and proceeded shipward to take up my duties as a very ordinary seaman. I hope that her interest in my landlubber hands really stemmed from her unusual hobby and not from suspicion. And I wondered why Mr. Peeler, her father, and the local head of the suspect company had decided to go with us. Had his doctor ordered a sea voyage for his health? Or did he want to enjoy in person the odor of burning rubber? <laughs> The next afternoon, the cargo had all been brought aboard. The ship was made ready for sea. And I had sustained, along with multiple cuts and bruises, the ire of the bosun because I didn't know the difference between a preventer and a topping lift. But by the time night fell and the melee trader was plunging down the Atlantic coast, I knew one thing. The sailor's life is not for me. out, Al. Well, nothing new. Scuttlebutt is still Veracruz, but mm -hmm. there's something screwy about it, Johnny. You develop a nose after you've snooped as many ships as I have. There's something wrong aboard. What? Besides my seamanship? The old man? Yeah, a lot of little things. Of course, we're on for Florida Straits, the readings on the ballast gauges. Of course, the displacement ratio changes with different oceans and water temperatures. Look, look, Al, that's, that's all Greek to me, ballast gauges, displacement ratio. Just what are these things that are bothering you? Well, I don't know, just vague things that... Look, come out on the foredeck with me, will you? Yeah, sure. Probably just this overactive nose of mine, but... Okay. 
want to get a look in one of these holes. Now, there's a hand standing. Look out. And if you'll go up there and keep his attention, I'll slip into the escape hatch of number two. All I'll need is about ten minutes. I'll meet you in the cabin. I made small talk with the lookout for ten minutes, then started back towards the cabin. Suddenly, I heard a scuffle behind me. Hey, Al, is that you? Then I heard someone running, and I started after the disappearing figure. But I didn't get very far. I stumbled over Al Roder's body by the open hatch. And there was a stab wound in the back of his neck, just at the top of his spine. It was small enough to have been left there by a penknife. I didn't report to the chief's mate or the captain. I went over both their heads and I pounded on the door of the owner, Mr. Peter. Mr. Peter? Yes, yes, yes. One moment. Uh, what is this? Uh, what does this mean? There's been a killing down on deck. What? What do you say? Killing? My watchmate, Al Roder. But this I will not believe. The captain or Mr. Hulstaff, where are they? Why do you come to me? Because because I think a request from you is in order. I think Sparks ought to radio the Coast Guard. The sooner the better. But the killing on my ship. Uh, to believe this from you. No, no, I do not. Uh, what is that? Man overboard, Mr. Peeler. A murder has just been turned into an accident. just a moment, we return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, Kitty Callan will join Vaughn Monroe's caravan along most of these same CBS stations this Saturday night. And on the CBS Gene Autry show, the King of the Cowboys will bring you Ramona, When the Bloom is on the Sage, and many another Western favorite. The Vaughn Monroe caravan and the Gene Autry show are heard every Saturday night. Hear them tomorrow night in an hour of Top Pop and Sagebrush Symphonies. Now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Mr. Horsaf. Mr. Horsaf, you please come here, Mr. Horsaf. Yes, sir. Mr. Horstaff, there has been trouble? Yes, sir. One of the crew fell overboard, sir. Uh, then talk with this young man. Uh, he speaks of killing. Killing? Oh, it's you, Dollar. What's this guff about killing? Al Roder. He was stabbed in the back of the neck with a small knife. This man is either drunk or crazy, Mr. Peeler. Yes, Mr. Denis. I just stepped out on deck to check the running lights before I turned in. Saw the man leaning over the rail. He was sick. The ship rolled and he went over. Have it your way. I guess that was a life jacket I stumbled over, huh? What are you doing about the man overboard? I'll thank you to remember your place on this ship. I do, but I also remember Al Roder. Doing what's prescribed by maritime law. I'm changing my course to circle and search the area. Yeah, how about the Coast Guard? They'll be notified in due time. I'll either go to your quarters or get forward with the rest of the crew and look for this guy you're so worried about. 
Where are you going? The radio room. Even I know the Coast Guard gets first bid. You listen to me, Dollar. I'll have you up before a commission board, and you'll never ship again if you don't obey my order. And the boilers. You better get to your lifeboat station, Mr. Peeler. Every time an explosion lifted the melee trader up off the water, it lifted my stomach up with it. My heart must have been pounding, too, because I felt it high in my throat. And feeling that big, seagoing box of steel plates and bolts shuddering on my feet, painted sweat on my forehead and big, sticky splashes of real fear on my soul. This would be getting dead the hard way. But finally, the quivering of the ship came to a stop, calming down my own vibrations as it faded. Then the tub started to lift giving me a new reason for keeping my mind off of taking a cut at Hallstaff with the closest fire axe. The crew got panicky as a bunch of kids in a burning school. And while they fumbled with the lifeboats, I took a last running look at number two holes. There were still bloodstains on the deck where I'd found Rhoda. And next to them, besides the open hatch, I found something that Hallstaff hadn't realized he'd lost or hadn't had time to look for. His penknife, pearl shell handle with an anchor on Boston Silver. I pulled back the top further, moved a few of the sectional hatch covers, and got a look into the hole. There was enough light to see the cargo, and enough smoke curled out to tell me the explosion had not been in the boiler. Yeah, I had a fine case, except it was going down under my feet, and I'd end up with everything but proof. It was shortly after dawn when the melee trader finally settled by the bow and went into a final plunge. Everybody in the lifeboat turned and watched her go. The water quieted over her. And the only traces left were the hatch covers I'd pulled loose. Ship's articles, you remember? Dollar. Oh, yeah. But this newspaper, it's a missing from shipwreck. Yeah. A guy'd have to be stupid or dead to be lost on a sinking like that. Everything was too convenient. Plenty of time to get the boats lost. Only four miles from shore. The paper stated. Yeah, they reported me missing because I didn't take time to report myself among the living. You see, I couldn't wait to get back to Savannah, get back to you and... The king-size scheme cooked up in this office. Now, I'm not promising anything, but a quick signed statement might help you. I'll write it and you sign it. You talk about scheme? What statement is this? Oh, come on, stop it. Look, use the old sex pitch. Try to sell me that it'll be worth my while, but, but don't try to sell me innocent. Mr. Darling, you think I know about something. Please, 
Tell me what it is. Look, if you're bluffing, you can quit. I know that explosion on the ship was staged. Now, the next step is to try to collect the insurance on the rubber that was lost. And that's the step I'm supposed to start. Here. Here's my ID. Oh, I'm very sorry. I not understand. You are a police? Yeah, in a way. In a way, I'm the police. And the real ones aren't far behind me. And you do not lie to me. Look, I wouldn't have any reason to. Is this true? I knew nothing about it. I, too, do not lie. Well, Why did you think your father was taking this trip? I did not question. Neil told me he had a business in Corpus Christi. Well, then Hallstaff lied here. The newspapers will tell you why your father took the trip. Here, look at this. Importer and fleet owner narrowly escapes death and explosion aboard his own ship. Now, who'd think of scuttling with the aged owner taking the risk himself, huh? Darling, it's very difficult when in a few minutes two men you love become suddenly criminals. I am only daughter. I not question my father. If he did this thing, he did it with reason. Now, what would you have me to do? Well, first stop looking at me as if I started it all. I'm sorry. Honestly, I am. <laughs> it was clear to me now that she wasn't lying. To hide my embarrassment, I read through the newspaper accounts of the thinking again while she recovered herself. There were air photographs of the huge oil slick the sinking ship had left on the surface. The only reminder now that the hatch covers had drifted away. The lack of wreckage was mentioned in the stories. And I remembered Al Rhoda worrying about ballast and displacement. I looked up the number of a local chemist and I made a phone call. Hello? Listen, Doc. This may sound like a silly question, but it could be important. Does crude rubber float? Crude rubber? Do you mean perhaps latex? Yeah, whatever you call it. The way it comes into the country, wrapped in rattan, will it float? Oh, specific gravity. Wait, I think. Uh, it decreases as the temperature rises. You see, normally, specific gravity is a little less than that of water. Yeah. It would float? Yeah, it floats. In the hold of a sunken ship? With a hatch partly open, it would force its way out and come to the surface? Yeah, it floats. Yeah, but it didn't. Thanks. Am I? Yes. How many warehouses does melee traders have here in Savannah? Only that two. Here on the waterfront, huh? Was anything moved out of them last night? After the ship left? No. Nothing was moved. Mr. Darla, what does this mean? Am I? I want you to wait here in the office for your father. When he comes, I want you to tell him that I'll be waiting for him in one of the warehouses and that I know the truth. The Malay Trader warehouses were closed for the day, but my foot and a window opened them. Both were stacked high with imported goods. And I picked my way through everything from leachy nuts to ivory back scratches. In the second one, hidden behind a wall of carton Ceylon tea, I found what I was looking for. They 
They were unlabeled wood crates. I opened one, and the resilient mass inside was crude rubber, still on dry land and still insured. All right, Dollar, hold it. Hold what, Holstaff? There's nothing left to hold. What do you mean by that? That for me, everything is finished, wound up. Time for the law. Unless you can make another switch with that rubber before they get here. That rubber in the crate? Yeah. Been here for over a year. Ah, oh, come on. Let's not waste time. You and Peeler and I know there wasn't any rubber in number two holes. You saved it to sell after you got paid off for losing it. And I'll let the experts prove it. What experts? Oh, they got all kinds. You know, one group is going to nail you for murder. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> That's very funny. So is a penknife a funny murder weapon. I found one on the melee trader on the deck near number two hole. So you've got a penknife, huh? Yeah. With a pearl handle and a silver anchor on it. You know, I guess at least a hundred seamen would testify under oath that it's yours. I know I will. I only wish I could be 15 people when you hit the courtroom. The jury, the prosecuting attorney, the star witness, and the sentencing judge. Well, you won't see me in a courtroom. How do they execute down here, huh? Gallows, electric chair, gas chamber, what? Come on, tell me. Or do I have to look it up? They'll have to have more than they've got. Ah, uh-uh. they got plenty. All they have to do is match up the weapon with the wound. Look, Dollar, I don't scare easy. I could make a confession. And it still wouldn't hold without a body. What do you mean, without a body? They gotta have a body. Anyone knows that. You're getting ahead of yourself, Holstaff. Did I say they didn't have a body? Huh? Do you think those Coast Guard helicopter and blimp crews are blind? Keep going, darling. You think a guy who's been a Marine investigator as long as Al Rhoda had went around without figuring how to do his job even after he was dead? What are you talking about? What do you think he wore around his middle? A money belt or a life belt that would keep him afloat? You're stupid, Holstaff. Give me the knife, darling. It's not only a knife. It's Exhibit A. And the prosecution will want it. Give me the knife, Dollar. I'll kill you if I have to. You don't want to shoot me, Horsepath. How do you know I've got the knife with me? How do you know I haven't left it someplace with a note to the police? Stand still. Now get your hands off to the side. Now hold on there. All right, now keep your hands still. Now just turn around. Don't move. It wasn't time for Queensbury rules. It was close to me, and I used my feet. The first one landed on his shin. And the same movement, I fell forward on my hands and kicked out with both feet. Of the solar plexus would have stopped an ordinary man. And after I gave him a couple more, the big chief mate turned into just that an ordinary man. I turned Hallstaff over to the police along with the murder weapon and the results of my blood. They took it from there to a confession. Mr. Peeler was cleared of responsibility for Al Rhoda's murder. 
now being held on conspiracy to defraud. I hope since the policy on the remaining cargo of rubber can now be canceled, Intercontinental is minimizing the monetary loss in Singapore. To you, the loss is a little more than $100,000 and an operative. I have lost a friend. Expense account item two, $63. Getting my foot on a bar and my chin off my chest while waiting for a train to take me out of Savannah. Item three, $80. Transportation Savannah to Huff. Item four, $10. Public stenographer who took the dictation on this expense account. Item five, entertainment. Same public stenographer who spent the evening proving that socially she didn't take dictation. Also that she was no good at making me forget what I want so badly to forget. The face of our Rhoda. Expense account total? Ah, skip it. This one is on me. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Lillian Bias, Barton Yarborough, William Conrad, Elliot Reed, and Robert Griffin. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. Case of the Oblivious Angels, a true story of manhunt in Tennessee and Georgia, is to be dramatized on Gangbusters this Saturday night. The story will have narration by the chief of police who directed the successful search for the bandits. So for a half hour of real adventure, as experienced by our forces combating crime, listen in this Saturday on most of these same CBS network stations to Gangbusters story, The Case of the Oblivious Angels. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. In the winter, you guys send me to North Dakota, in the summer to Miami, Florida. All right, what's your problem? 
We got two old duffers insured for a total of $80,000. What's the matter? Somebody threatening to kill them? No, they're threatening to kill themselves. Edmund O'Brien, in another of the adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office National Fidelity Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of your policyholders, Mr. and Mrs. Arbuthnot Trump, or how the grave diggers' face came near being Trump's. Expense account item one, $113.52 railroad fare, Hartford, Connecticut, to Highbridge, North Dakota. As they walked towards the station in Highbridge, the wind whipped white shawls of snow out of the night and around me like a Spanish dancer, and the raw cold had my teeth acting like castanets. Inside the shack, I found a pot-bellied stove surrounded by a pot-bellied station master. Hello. Oh, hello. You are our only customer? Well, I'm the only one got off the train. Can I, can I find a taxi around here? Yep. As soon as my son gets the mail and freight tucked away, he'll take you. Only it won't be any taxi cab. You drive it wherever you're going in the phone. Uh, by the way, where are you going? To the Trump residence. You know it? Yep, I know it. Uh, you one of the family? No, just business. Oh. Well. Well, what? Uh, what is your business is none of mine. But, uh, have you ever been out there before? No, I haven't. Why, something wrong? Well, if it ain't, then everybody in this town has been getting a lot of unnecessary exercise. Uh, do you have to do conclusions? Well... Here comes the boy. He'll drive you over. Ah, uh, Hickey! Yeah? Hickey, you got a customer for the phone. Wants to go out to Trump Place. That Trump Place? Hmm. Well, all right. But, mister, I'll only take you as far as the gate. This is your first business, huh? That right, Mr. Dollar? Yep, that's right. Hey, how much more we got to go? Oh, about another mile. You cold? Cold. Ooh, I'm freezing. Well, pack your arms around. Keep up circulation. Hey, does it always get this cold around here? Nope. Only in the winter. Uh. Say, Hickey. Yeah? You mind answering a few more questions? No, no, many answers. You're welcome to those. Well, what about this Trump place? Why is everybody around here scared of it? What is it, a haunted house? Nope. As far as I know, everybody out there is alive, all right. Matter of fact, I'd feel better if some of the things out there was dead. What do you mean? Well, past year or so, I've been delivering some packages out there. Boxes coming express on a train. Some of them come all the way from Africa. Quite a few from India, too. Walmart, danger. Walmart, do not open. Deadly. Whatever comes in those boxes is alive. 
What about the people, the Trumps themselves? Oh, they look nice enough. Not on old side. Old man Trump looks like a deacon. His wife looks like a deacon's wife. But they never seem to come to town, let alone church. Hey, that's funny. What's so funny? Well, look, they're on the road. Place auto tracks. Only one place to go out this way. Same place we're going. To the Trump house. I don't see anything wrong with that. Those folks never have no visitors. Now, it looks like they're having a lot. <laughs> hey, maybe they're having guests for dinner. That's right. Maybe they are having guests in for dinner. I didn't say in for dinner. I said maybe they're having guests for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some funny joke, that is. Yeah. Well, here we are, right around the next bend. Good. Now, I'll tell you what, Hickey. When I get ready for you to drive me back, I'll, uh, I'll give you a call on the telephone, huh? That'll be a good trick if you can do it. What do you mean? The tr- they don't have no telephone. Expense account item two, a buck and a half tongue fare. Hybrid station to the gate of the Trump estate where the driver Hickey dumped me off. I used one of the fresh tire tracks as a footpath up the long driveway through the snow. And steaming the white flakes out of my eyes with my breath, I took inventory of the house. It was big, colonial, and in good repair. All rooms lighted downstairs. One room lighted upstairs. Near the front, the automobile tracks took off around to the back of the house. I had to make my own footsteps in the drifts from there to the front door. Quickly, quickly, don't let that cold in. Let's shut the door. Now, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? I'm Johnny Dollar from the insurance company. As to what I... Well, I want to see Mr. and Mrs. Trump. As to what I'm doing here, I'm just the victim of a bad choice of careers early in life. Well, all right. Take a seat over there. I'll go check with Mr. and Mrs. Trump. But don't bother taking your coat off yet. So this is Northern Hospitality. Coming in out of the cold makes any house seem warm. But my overcoat started to steam about ten seconds after I got inside this one. So did I. Looking around, I saw the reason. There were potted orchids growing all over the hallway, and orchids grow only in tropical warmth. Despite the invitation not to, I took off my overcoat and waited. After ten more minutes, I felt like slipping out of my suit, a decision I didn't have time to make. They're just finishing dinner, Mr. Dollar. They suggest you join them for coffee. Follow me. Thanks. Mrs. Trump. Mr. Trump, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? How are you, Mrs. Trump? Won't you join me? There, sit right over there. Yes, Mr. Dollar, come and sit down. Have some coffee. Oh, thank you. Now that'll be order when you may leave. Well. Fine. Now, sugar and cream, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, thank you, Mrs. Trump. This will be all right, just the way it is. Well, Mr. Dollar, I assume you brought the necessary papers? Yes, yes, I did. They're, uh, they're in my pocket already for your signature. Good, good. We'll sign them right away. Well, I, I was hoping you wouldn't sign them. At least until I've had a chance to talk to you about it. Talk to? 
What is there to talk about? I hope you understand that, well, it isn't every day that an insurance company gets a letter from a pair of policyholders calmly stating that they are both planning to commit suicide. Oh, no? No. Well, well, I suppose it is a bit out of the usual run of things, but there's nothing we can do about it. My goodness, we checked with our lawyer. And he said we were perfectly within our rights. Well, granted, you've had the policy a long, long time, and the suicide clause is no longer in effect. However, well, frankly, the company did send me out here in the hope that while I was arranging the change of beneficiary you requested, I could also talk you into changing your mind. Mr. Dollar, you might just as well save your breath. Our minds are made up. Mrs. Trump is right, Mr. Dollar. As soon as we get those change of beneficiary papers signed, we intend to dispose of ourselves. Well, I... And furthermore, young man, within the past 48 hours, we have had ourselves thoroughly examined by a board of extremely well-thought-of alienists who signed documentary proof that we are both perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing you can do to stop us in that direction. But why? Why do you want to do this now? You you don't look unhappy. Well, they're not. We've had an extremely happy life, haven't we, Mr. Trump? Indeed we have, Mrs. Trump. And that's just it. You see, Mr. Dollar, we both feel that having enjoyed such a beautiful life, we owe the world something. And finally, we have evolved a method of paying our debt. In doing what we intend to do, we shall leave to the world the beginning of a new humanity. What's the matter with the old one? Nothing. But it is doomed to extinction. Mr. Dollar, just think for yourself. Atom bombs, hydrogen bombs, biological warfare... And don't forget the flying saucers, Mr. Trump. Don't forget, indeed. Unknown objects hurtling through space, interplanetary traffic, dear, dear. A prelude to invasion and destruction. Now, now, wait a minute. How do you know... Who told you? Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things. He was a professor for many years, and he reads, reads, reads all the time. He knows. He knows all that. <laughs> Would you mind pouring me some some of that coffee, Mrs. Trump? Not at all. There. Thank you. Mr. Trump, granted we're all doomed for extinction, how's knocking yourself off going to help? If you just stick it out, you'll not only enjoy a bit more time alive, but you'll also be around to see the fireworks. You will notice, Mr. Dollar, that we are changing the beneficiary and our policies from our niece, Miss Hope Selden, to the young man who let you in here tonight, Mr. Irwin Hoffer. Yes, I noticed that. And I also noticed that this young man isn't even related to you. Now, what's that all about? Well, Hope is a frivolous girl. She laughed at us when we tried to tell her what's happening. Irwin is a serious-minded young man who will use the money brought to this household by our passing to make the down payment on a new human race. Mrs. Trump, do you happen to have any brandy around? Uh, later, Mr. Dollar, later. You want to know why and how? Well, come along. We'll show you. <laughs> Nightmare is bad enough when you're asleep, but I was awake, and that's when they're really frightened. They took me down through the back of the house to a winding, half-lighted stairway into the belly of the black hole. The oppressive heat grew even more oppressive. More stairs, then tunnels. All the ceilings cement, 
and lined with lead. All the walls covered with pens and cages, and all of them filled with... Snakes, Mr. Dollar. Reptiles, hundreds of them. Every species, every variety known to modern man. Look at them. Look at them and look at them well, for here is the new beginning. When life as we know it is blasted off the face of this earth, either by man himself or by his planetary cousin. When that happens, then these shall be the inheritors of this global sphere. As they were in the beginning, according to the Meston theory as set down in 1903. Until the Holocaust, they will be cared for by young Harper. I could use an old Harper myself. When the Holocaust comes, Irwin Harper shall survive as long as possible. Then the machines will take over. The reptiles will be fed. And when the recording devices up on top say that the radioactivity and magnetic forces have been dissipated, the doors of the cages leading to the earth above shall be automatically projected outdoors and the cycle shall be complete. Then the reptiles will be set free on the face of the earth to once again evolve themselves into the new humanity. I see. Now look, Mr. Trump, I'm out here to ask you a very simple question. What's all this got to do with your committing suicide? That is easily answered, Mr. Dollar. We need money. We need a lot of money to buy the rest of the equipment. We are willing to give up the little that is left of our lives to provide it. Irwin will remain behind to put our money to good use. Mr. and Mrs. Trump, I don't question your motives, but you can't blame me for taking a second look at your methods. This man springing from reptile theory is flimsy enough, but that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. But what you're not entitled to, and I'm quoting the Bible and the law is the act of taking your own lives. We've talked that over among us, and we are willing to take our chances. All right. But at least you'll agree this is a whole lot to take in one sitting, isn't it? Now, let me bring these papers back in the morning. We can talk it over once more, and then you're free to go ahead and sign. Well, time is short, but I don't think a few hours will matter. Do you agree, Mrs. Trump? Yes, I agree. Good. Now, uh, if you'll be kind enough to either let me have a car or have somebody drive me into town, I... Car? We have no car. We haven't had one for months, and we borrowed them from the property. Hasn't been one past the gate for almost a year. Oh? Including tonight? Yes, of course, including tonight. You'll just have to stay here. Come now. We'll take you up to your room, Mr. Dollar. What you need is a good night's sleep. I'd have had a better night's sleep on a tightrope. My room had the same sticky, hot air that filled the rest of the house. It may be great for snakes and orchids, but I'll take my steamings at a Turkish bath. I stretched out on the bed, turned off the lamp, and closed my eyes. But for 20 straight minutes, 
I could still see ghost automobiles and snakes and more snakes. I kept my eyes closed as much as I could because when they were open, I could see on the wall the serpentine shadows of the tree branches outside. At least, I hoped that's what they were. Then, just as I was hoping the hardest that the realest of them all wasn't what it looked like, out of the blackness from across the room, I heard... I reached down under the bed for a shoe. Not much of a weapon, but all I could think of at the moment. Then I snapped on the lamp and saw it. It had plenty of coils, all right, but it was strictly non-venomous. The steam radiator standing there, hissing my performance. But my nerve ends didn't even have a chance to lie down. They were still standing straight up when it happened. I was out of bed, across the room, and out into the hall in slightly more time than it takes to tell. The ray of light from my open door fell across a jumbled pile of beautiful young woman. I bent over her and... In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar, but first... With our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. in the driveway with my own eyes. I walked in one of them. All right. Look out the window, Mrs. Trump. No, I don't see any tracks. Do you see any footprints? No, nothing. Just no. Okay. At least you know I walked up that driveway, right? And my footprints are covered up. So it's been snowing. The wind has been blowing. It's been drifting. Now, I suppose you're going to tell me you didn't hear the girl scream. Come, come now, Mr. Dollar. You were having a nightmare. No girl scream. Well, if you didn't hear anything, what are you doing out here? What brought you? Young man, we have a right to be wherever in our own home we choose to be. But I might as well tell you, I found you when I started to the kitchen to get some crackers and warm milk. I found you lying here. Yeah, everyone's lying around here. Yeah. Young man, that does it. 
Once we get those papers signed, I'm afraid we shall have to ask you to leave. That's all right with me. They're here in my room. Come on. The way some people stand in the way of the few others who are making a genuine effort to sustain some kind of life on Yes, Mr. Trumpio, that's absolutely right. You'll find a pen there on the table. The papers are right here in my... Hey. Yes, Mr. Dollar? The papers are gone. Well, how can they be gone if you brought them at all? We warn you, Mr. Dollar, we will not stand for any more of your dilly-dallying. We want those papers, and now. We are determined to sign them immediately. Suddenly, that has become my fondest hope. Now, do us all a favor. Go back to bed and give me a chance to do a little walking in your sleep. I'm looking for a girl, and I'll admit this is a very unlikely place to find her. I'll thank you to get out of my bedroom. You realize how suspicious you look just lying there in bed? What do you mean? Well, I mean that about 15 minutes ago, a woman screamed at the top of her lungs not 20 feet from here. Now, what's your story? That you didn't hear it? Or does it happen around here all the time? You're crazy. I didn't hear any woman scream, and I don't think you did. Okay, have it your way. I'm hearing things. But one thing I know, I'm not feeling things. See here? There's a lump on my head. That's for real. That doesn't interest me a bit. If I find out you put it there, it'll interest you. I'll not only put an egg on your skull, I'll make a whole omelet. In case you don't know it, you're looking at a citizen who's burned up. M-A-D. Mad. From there, I started through the rest of the rooms in the house. I thought I knew who I was looking for. The only person I could think of who would profit by seeing those papers not signed. The present beneficiary of the Trump policy, their niece, Miss Hope Selden. All I could find in the next six bedrooms was a lot of old-fashioned furniture. I was just looking under the bed in the last when the wind outside took on a new note. I ran back to my own room, flung open the window and stuck my head out into the blizzard trying to get a look in the direction of the noise. I wasn't taking any chances on that kicker finally sparking the automobile into life before I had a chance to see who was in it. I swung my feet over the sill and dropped the one story into a high drift. your time. Around here, people only go for sleigh rides. What do you want? Who are you? You should know. You had your hand in my coat pocket earlier tonight. Of course, unfortunately, I wasn't in the coat, but something else was, and I want it back. If I took anything out of your pocket, I had plenty of reason and plenty of right to do it. The only one I want taking things out of my pocket is the cleaner when he's filling out the tobacco crumbs. Now, come on, give me those papers. Now, just let me talk to you first. I want you to hear my side of things. Look, I'm freezing. If it takes more than five seconds for you to say what you got to say, no dice. Well, then let's go back in the house. I know you'll believe me. I saw plenty about her to interest me, but nothing to relax me. She looked like a, well, a big-time operator. A gal who would be as dangerous kissing you as killing you. As I closed the door behind us, she walked across the room and made a perfectly natural movement as though to throw open her coat. When she turned, she had a gun in her hand. 
It was the first time I'd ever seen a shoulder holster on a woman. Now put your hands up, Mr. Dollar, and listen. Uh-huh. If you'll just unwrap your finger from around that trigger, I'll be more likely to keep my mind on what you're saying. Go ahead. I'm listening. You've got to help me. Help you? Yes, help me prevent my aunt and uncle from making fools of themselves. We can't let them leave their money to Irwin Harper. Well, it's their money. They're attempting to do what they, well, what they believe is right. That money is mine, and I'll kill anyone to get it. Irwin Harper won't stick around five minutes after my aunt and uncle have killed themselves. He isn't planning on taking care of their filthy snakes. I was in his room tonight after he went to sleep. In his pocket, I found a ticket for South America. His plans were all made. He caught me in there and chased me out in the hall and slugged me. When I came to, you were lying there unconscious beside me. I ran downstairs, and I fixed their steam. I threw the switch to release their stinking reptiles. By now, the snakes are all outside, freezing to death. Don't move. You don't want to... You... So now you know. Both. You know what that means? I'll have to kill you both, and I'll get away with it. Why, you miserable hunk of putty, you conniving thing. Uh, the Trumps want me to have the money, not you. I worked out that whole plan for them, all of us. And I'm the one they want to take care of it. Now drop that gun, Hope. You'd better drop it, Hope. It doesn't make any difference anyway. What do you mean it won't make any difference? Because our friend over there isn't going to pull the trigger. Oh, no? Then why not? Because Hope has released all those snakes. One thing she forgot. When snakes get cold, they try to get warm. And one of them just joined the party. He's right behind you, Irwin. I don't believe you. You're bluffing. Can't you hear him? You can't fool me. That's a steam radiator in this house. They're all noisy. Irwin, if you make any kind of a move or fire that gun, he's going to strike. I'll make you a deal. Let me reach down and get that gun off the floor. I'll blast its head off. Careful. Don't move, Irwin. No, you don't. I know what you want that gun for. I wouldn't even turn around and look, Irwin. I'm not only going to move, I'm going to get that gun out of your reach. There was a snake. Look out, look out. He's on the loose. Oh, he got me. Super Smash. The worst of them all. Well, you've got the gun. Go on. Shoot him, Howard. Shoot him. All right. That's for him. But you're not staying behind me to get your... Mr. and Mrs. Arbuthnot Trump were fresh out of beneficiaries, to say nothing of snakes. The only one that had found his way back into the warmth of the house was the one I'd mistaken for a steam radiator. And without a handy method for creating a new humanity, the Trumps found themselves without a purpose. So I gave them one. At my suggestion, and at the moment, Mr. T is hard at work in his home laboratory, attempting to develop a machine with which mankind will fight the flying saucer. Mr. Trump's invention will be known as the Flying Cup, and will be secretly dedicated to a waitress I once knew. Expense account, item three, $113.52 railroad fare, Highbridge, North Dakota, to Hartford, Connecticut. Expense account total, $763.90. You may say this doesn't add up, but neither does anything else about this case. Signed, yours, uh, 
truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Peggy Weber, Harley Bear, Hugh Thomas, Dick Ryan, Jess Kirkpatrick, and Mary Ship. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The Echo of Jesse James, a modern story of how police tracked down a couple of train robbers, will be brought to you on CBS's Gangbusters this Saturday night. The narrator will be the superintendent of Metropolitan Police, Washington, D.C., and another Gangbusters wonderful cast will reenact this true story for you. Join us this Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations for Gangbusters drama, The Echo of Jesse James. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Why in the world are you down here, Dollar? Your train leaves in 45 minutes. Well, I'm taking a quick refresher course in ancient history. You're sending me out to find a missing archaeologist, aren't you? Well, I want to be able to talk his language in case I find him alive. Edmund O'Brien in a transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Great Corinthian Life and Liability Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my investigation of the disappearance of Bruce Lambert, the archaeologist who never should have left his tomb. Expense account item one, $7.50, railway and taxi fare from my Hartford apartment to room 317 Brighton Arms, New York City, a hotel whose front rooms had a depressing view of an 81st Street mortuary. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.